power on. It's TIE Fighter Renegades, a Star Wars podcast. Woo, it is good to be back, baby. Uh, <laughs> it has been a little while since we have done a TIE Fighter Renegades, and uh, you'll pardon me if we, we do this one, you know, we're just going to kind of hang loose on this one and going to have some uh, some decaf here. Or, or what what did they call it in Star Wars back in the day? Used to call it calf or if it specifically had caffeine, I think they called it stim calf. Was was that it? Man, I, you know, I missed that. I missed it. Hold on. Let me have the sip. Mm. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Um, I miss that when Star Wars used to come up with like, like, what was it? Fumarellos or whatever, you know, for cigars um, or as a cigar. Fumarello was Battlestar Galactica. Galactica did the same thing. I love that when science fiction was trying to say, it's like, okay, yeah, we have humans here, but they're not from Earth. So we got to make them say some things differently. Uh, I don't know. I always dug that. I think Battlestar Galactica, the original one, the one that was actually good, you know, from the 70s, uh, did a much better job of that, like coming up with their own time units and everything, uh, which, again, I, I, I think only makes sense. But Star Wars certainly tried its hand um, at it, and not just in the 70s or 80s either. You know, it's easily easy to think of like the Brian Daly, um, you know, like, like the Han Solo trilogy from Brian Daly, not the A.C. Crispin Han Solo trilogy, which is still an absolute classic. Uh, some of the best Star Wars books ever written. Unfortunately, they're not canon anymore. But don't worry, we're going to talk about canon here. Um, but also, what was it? Was it L. Neil Smith that wrote the, um, the 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 Lando Calrissian trilogy back in the day? Anyway, great shit. But it was also done by who we actually are here to talk about, both canon and in person. That being, or in personhood, that being, I would argue one of the greatest science fiction authors um, of all time. Now. I mean, there's at least 100 to 200 <laughs> people in that number, but I really do give it to this guy. Uh, because and, and it goes far beyond his work in Star Wars. Of course, people want to debate back and forth whether or not Star Wars should actually be considered science fiction. It should be fantasy, should be space, you know, whatever. whatever. Okay. <laughs> uh, I like to put it very much in the science fiction camp. Or at least I feel like with the prequels that George Lucas was really trying to like guide them more uh, in that direction as, as compared to, you know, so much fantasy. But then I guess Disney, you know, kind of went in the other direction. But fortunately, you know, as much as Disney has wiped out, um, you know, with by wiping out the expanded universe, um, fortunately, they have they, they were very wise in working with some of the legends, no pun intended, working with some of the legends uh, of Star Wars past. And I do think it was very wise of them to work with Timothy Zahn in the new canon, you know, ever since Disney took over in 2013, starting off with the novel Heir to the Jedi. Actually, I think it start original. The new canon officially started with like a short story in Star Wars Insider, but that's besides the point. So now you may be noticing that I am not saying that I am joined by my man, Robin Freebeard. Um, this is just going to be a, a solo offing on my part. Rob will be back in full swing uh, in, in very short order. Uh, once we have new episodes coming I mean, we're going to be talking about Bo book of Boba Fett. We have a whole slew of subjects uh, to get into and we're excited to do it. Um, it's one of my favorite things to do is to work with Rob on, you know, on anything and really just to talk to him. But the fact that we get to work together and talk together, you know, about one of our favorite things, that being Star Wars. Well, 
life gets pretty good sometimes. <laughs> so anyway, but this is just a solo offing on my part. You're going to get a couple more of these um, where I am covering topics that, and, and I had hinted at this um, in December of 2021 that I would be doing these um, just because there's things that I consume and take in um, that for very good reason. And you may think so also after I'm done with this review uh, that for very good reason, you know, Rob doesn't, <laughs> doesn't want to waste his time. And I, boy, I don't blame him. Um, but me, I, I walk the earth with this terrible sense of completionism. And so I, I take it all baby. Uh, anyway, <laughs> and what I took all of here, um, well, it's what we're going to get into. And I'm actually going to cover the entire trilogy, even though Rob and I had discussed at least the first book in this trilogy, uh, previously. And what I'm talking about, what I'm reviewing here, and there will be some spoilers because ultimately if you feel like you don't need to read these, don't, you know, and, and I'll give you the, the, the cliff notes of what matters, uh, that, that happens within these books. And what we're talking about is Timothy Zahn's, which again, went on this whole tangent about how he's one of the greatest science fiction authors ever, in my opinion. And I mean, look, just go read, uh, um, you know, go read the Commonwealth trilogy or the Conquerors trilogy, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Or even his Cobra series, or I mean, shit, the stuff he did with Starcraft, like with Starcraft Evolution, phenomenal. Anyway, what we have here is the Thrawn Ascendancy trilogy. Now, this is a separate trilogy. Obviously, it's not the Heir to the Empire trilogy, as it's known, or the original Thrawn trilogy uh, from the 90s, you know, that started in 91 with Heir to the Empire, Dark Force Rising in 92, and then Last Command in 93. Um, no, this is actually a, well, no, it's not really a sequel trilogy to, because he also ended up doing uh, one that I really enjoyed uh, and maybe some of the best books. Uh, actually, I put the first in, in this trilogy at the best Star Wars book of the new canon. Um, and, and that being, there was the Thrawn trilogy that he started in 2017. And again, this is part of the new canon since Disney took over. Uh, that being Thrawn in 2017, Thrawn Alliances in 2018, and Thrawn Treason in 2019. Now, while those books, that original Thrawn trilogy for Disney, while that kind of went back and forth in time, like it would go from the uh, Galactic era to the Republic era, and, you know, it kind of go back and forth between those. Um, the Thrawn Ascendancy trilogy is firmly set just frankly, just before um, the 2017 Thrawn book, uh, which which goes, you know, the, the 2017 Thrawn book covers the time period. That one actually doesn't jump back and forth. It's the other two that do. But the 2017 Thrawn book uh, shows us how Thrawn ended up joining the Empire, like how they found him, how that all kind of came to be. Uh, this leads right up to where the 2017 Thrawn novel starts. So in many ways, this is Timothy Zahn's prequel trilogy, which in itself I find interesting, partly because next to George Lucas, and, and this is part of what makes, in my opinion, Timothy Zahn one of the greatest you know authors of all time. Uh, Timothy Zahn is so... So much more in, huh. I could get into a big subject on this. <laughs> okay. We could, we could go down roads. Um, in my opinion, and this is an opinion that has kind of grown over time, you know, in the, especially over the past few years with what Disney has been doing. Uh, I dare say Timothy Zahn is more integral to star Wars lasting power to star Wars, uh, you know, it's appeal 
to Star Wars fandom than perhaps George Lucas himself. Now, what do I mean by that? Okay, Star, the, the original Star Wars trilogy, which everybody kind of holds up as like, okay, this is what made Star Wars. You know, like this is Star Wars, this is Star Wars greatness, and nothing's ever going to top it. Uh, I, in general, I, I don't disagree with you, okay? But what makes those movies magical? You know, like what gives them their power? And I think it comes down to two things. One, and this isn't new, I've said this before. One is its cool factor. Like everything is just so damned cool. Okay, it doesn't experience or have the depth of Star Trek or many other works of, uh, you know, space drama. But it just has tremendous cool factor. It created a universe that, as Rob has pointed out many times, as shitty as it is, <laughs> you know, like it's still one you kind of want to live in because everything's so damn cool. Um, or at least for me. And so there's the cool factor of everything. And then the second part is that it was science fiction or it was genre film, if, if that makes you more comfortable. OK, it's genre film that looks hyper realistic, like it looks so good in comparison to anything else made at the time, you know, especially with Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, you know, in 80 and 83. Like nothing looks that real. I would almost argue today still nothing looks as fucking good as those two movies. Yeah, sure. We have CGI now that can make shit look pretty good. Uh, you know, there's like design might be bested by some other movies like Dune, you know, the original Dune, you know, David Lynch's Dune uh, had, you know, just tremendous set design and everything else. Um, but really like movies that look like, wow, I'm actually watching this shit happen. Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi take the cake in in genre fiction or genre film. But that's all they have going for them. That's not enough to give those movies the staying power that they still enjoy to this day, other than they still look so fucking good, you know? What I think actually gave Star Wars its staying power and what I think invigorated, reinvigorated even, the fans and what made Star Wars fans the fans that were buying up, um, you know, like all the action figures and everything else in like 96 and whatever. And what even allowed for the special edition re-releases of the original trilogy to make sense and what even paved the way for people to frankly be like chomping at the bit for the prequel trilogy was none other than Timothy Zahn's Heir to the Empire trilogy, starring none other than Grand Admiral Thrawn who we're talking about here. Timothy Zahn gave us everything we wanted as Star Wars fans. He added mythology to the force, like, you know, more mythology to it. Um, he brought in powerful new characters like Grand Admiral Thrawn that had a lot more going for them. I mean, he essentially brought, brought Sherlock Holmes, you know, into Star Wars. Uh, and I would argue Thrawn next to Sherlock Holmes, I mean, because he's a type of Holmes, you know, they say like how Christians say a type of Christ. Um, well, you have characters in popular fiction that I call type of Holmes and Batman is a type of Holmes. Thrawn is a type of Holmes, but Thrawn as a villain had a lot more going for him than anybody outside of Darth Vader, you know, as far as backstory and as far as like character development and, and all of this, I mean, the emperor, okay. The emperor totally, you know, existed off of visual cues and what could argue if you're into it, cool factor. 
you know, and the cool factor of his royal guards, right? <laughs> you know, in the red robes. Um, so, you know, and then, and then Thrawn brings, or I mean, <laughs> Thrawn, might as well call him Thrawn. <laughs> but, but then Timothy Zahn, you know, brings in Mara Jade, um, even Talon Card. Uh, you get more of, okay, what happens to Obi-Wan, you know, Obi-Wan's ghost. Um, he even brought in, I think, one of the uh, uh, lesser um, recognized, even though I think she was fully realized, uh, characters from the expand from the old EU, that being uh, Winter. You know, like, I mean, there's just, and, and all these, like, slicing and all these different concepts that we consider a totally normal part of Star Wars that, frankly, didn't exist until Timothy Zahn himself wrote them. And in many ways, I mean, like even hell, what this show is named after the video game, Star Wars TIE Fighter. Uh, you watch the opening you know, movie for that. Who's there, baby? It's Thrawn. And you better believe the game designers were jazzed as shit to make sure that Thrawn was in there because we all know how cool he is. And I mean, if those books weren't so damned good, you wouldn't have you just you wouldn't have had. I mean, yes, like West End Games deserves a lot of credit for the old EU, you know, and for building that out and making the Star Wars universe even more real. You know, I mean, part of what like makes even see that's see, this is the funny thing is that it's a retroactive effect. Part of what makes the original Star Wars trilogy, um, I think, like so much more than the sum of its parts also comes down to that the old EU basically basically took like, I mean, you think of like the Tales, uh, Tales from Most Eisley books or, you know, those kind of anthologies. You know, you, you think of all, and like what West End Games did and they took every little fucking nugget they could out of Star Wars and they gave it a, and every little character and they gave them a, a backstory. Right now, you know what Ithorians are. Now, you know, uh, you know, about the Shistabin Wolfman or, you know, whatever. And retroactively, it made you know, the original trilogy, not just be the most realistic looking, you know, uh, uh, movies, uh, genre films ever made, but then it also gave them incredible depth. But all of that comes down to, I mean, yes, again, I got to give, I got to give tons of credit to West End Games and, and the role-playing game. But so much of that came down to Timothy Zahn. And perhaps at some point, somebody talked to Kathleen Kennedy or whoever is in charge of such matters at Disney and said, hey, look, if um, if you want people to take these Star Wars books seriously, you're, you're going to have to get Timothy Zahn. And not like Zahn stopped in the 90s. I mean, he was writing, you know, his last book, actually, he was still writing Star Wars books into 2013 when Disney bought it out. I don't think it's not canon, but he wrote the book Scoundrels, which was dynamite. Um, but I mean, he was still writing stuff. Choices of One, Allegiance, Outbound Flight. I mean, all, all those are great books. So fortunately, Disney knew what they needed to do. Um, now, like I said, his first foray, Timothy Zahn's first foray back into Star Wars and into the new canon came with 2017's Thrawn, uh, the book of that name. And of course, Thrawn would be in Star Wars Rebels. And, you know, we all know what happened there. Um, perhaps one of the greatest justices, not injustice, but one of the greatest justices of Disney taking over for Star Wars, and I'm not saying there are many, but this is one of them, is that Thrawn is not dead, okay? And and he's not dead well into the future of Star Wars. Um, that is a very fortunate thing. Even though Zahn still kind of tried to bring, I don't think he realized how big a deal these books would be. He didn't realize how great, a, or how people would attach so much to Grand Admiral Thrawn, because of course he did his Hand of Thrawn duology, um, you know, in the late 90s 
to kind of bring back the ideals, quote unquote, of Thrawn. And, and it, you know, it's a worthy attempt because that's re- really, for me, what makes Thrawn so great. Not just that he's a Sherlock Holmes character, but that he does have ideals. He does have a logic to him. Uh, you know, he has an angle that he is working from and that he sticks to. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you want to call him a moral character. Actually, after you read Thrawn Ascendancy, uh, that trilogy, you might think so. But... Anyway, so with 2017's Thrawn, uh, like I said, I think this is the best book of the new canon. And what I love about it is it essentially reads like The Art of War, you know, by Sun Tzu, not Sabzu, <laughs> by Sun Tzu, uh, interspersed with some great fiction and great action. Okay, and very clever plotting. And, you know, when I was a kid in third grade, and I'm not kidding, when I was in third grade reading... Um, you know, the heir to the empire and you know how big that book was. Oh yeah. <laughs> that book taught me how to read, frankly. I mean, or, you know, at least adult books in a very real way. Um, when, when I was, you know, reading that and like Thrawn is explaining the reasons behind everything he does. Like I, I'm like fucking taking notes, <laughs> you know? And so I love that about Thrawn. I want like, yes, give me the wisdom. Right. And 2017's Thrawn did that. That book did that. Now the following two books did not so much. Um, but they were still very good books. Um, great interplay between Thrawn and Vader in the last of that trilogy. Uh, I mean, there's just good stuff going on. Um, now, the middle book in that trilogy, Thrawn Alliances, you know, explores more of like like Thrawn's original encounter while he was still with the Chiss Ascendancy and not with the Empire. His original encounter with General Anakin Skywalker during the Clone Wars. Um, this becomes one of the main reference points for the Thrawn Ascendancy trilogy. Uh, the, Thr- the Thrawn Ascendancy Trilogy, so it's three books, Chaos Rising, Greater Good, and Lesser Evil. And these all came out over the past two years, 2020, and the last two came out, both came out in 2021. Um, I'm kind of surprised they didn't wait on the third book to have it come out in 2022, but whatever, they didn't, and uh, it's just as well. But here's the funny thing with these books, and so now we're going to start talking about these books. The funny thing with these books is there's nothing really at all attaching them to the star Wars universe, other than the somewhat constant mention of, you know, Thrawn's engagement with, or, you know, his interaction with, uh, Anakin Skywalker during the clone wars. That's the only fucking thing that connects it to anything, you know, generally within the star Wars universe, other than what the previous Thrawn trilogy you know, talked about with the Gris, which is like this evil, you know, because when Thrawn is now with 2017's Thrawn, we know how he ended up joining the Empire, right? Um, and we know the, you know, the conversation he had with the Emperor saying, hey, there's evils that you haven't even heard from, you know, that are just knocking at your door and we've got to be ready for them. Um, and, you, and you get some explanation. Well, we'll get it to it with, with Ascendancy because you get some explanation on that. But this really is the odd thing um, with these books is, again, there there's really no connection, you know, to um, I mean, they reference the Clone Wars, you know, they like there's there's a point in the very last chapter of the very last book of this trilogy where they reference um, the Confederacy, you know. Or, you know, the, the separatists. And they reference the Republic falling and they reference the galactic empire coming into power. But other than that, the whole, 
all of this books or all of these books, the, the three, the, the three books in the Thrawn Ascendancy trilogy all take place in the unknown regions uh, or what is in this case, Chiss space of the Chiss Ascendancy. Um, and it spends a ton of time going over the very complex uh, hierarchical authoritarian family system that the Chiss operate under, which you'll, if, if you read them, you'll learn more about it. It's the 40 and the nine. Um, it's, it's all very complex. Uh, Timothy Zahn is really great at that, you know, at building out entire worlds and frankly, entire other social orders. Um, I thought that, that a lot of that stuff was really brilliant. And I mean, there's not a whole lot of point in talking about each of the books separately because they really are so directly connected one after the other, after the other, that they're kind of all one story. It It's great. Like the action is awesome. Thrawn's cleverness is phenomenal. You know, you get some really, really great moments with him. Um, and if you're listening to the audiobooks, Mark Thompson, I think does a great job. He does especially a great job with Thrawn himself. You get to experience a lot of other Chiss characters. Um, as well as a lot of other species that you hadn't heard of before. And, you know, the whole thing is about them, you know, taking on this other evil in the unknown regions, that being the Gris, or maybe it's even something more, you know, they can always expand upon it. Um, and, you know, Thrawn's like machinations in dealing with that. And again, it's complex stuff. It's complex, like family arguments and, or, you know, family matters. Uh, you know, we're, we're Steve Urkel. No. <laughs> did I do that? Oh, anyway, uh, so, <laughs> uh, you find that Thrawn has a sister. I mean, like there's all, there's all this stuff and you get a look at like a different way that, because the Chiss access hyperspace in a different way, um, or not just access it, they navigate it in a different way than, you know, what you would know of from the empire of the Republic or the rebellion. Um, they use a, like a class within their species known as interestingly skywalkers now they don't spend a ton of time explaining that thrawn recognizes the mystery especially because he spent time with anakin skywalker and he's like well that's weird that they have that name you know and that that's how that translates into chess uh you know you get some of that which is kind of cool uh you do get the great funny moment in these books between um anakin skywalker and thrawn which i won't spoil it for you but we've talked about it before on tie fighter renegades of course, it's a moment that's originally in Thrawn Alliances, but you do get it in the Thrawn Ascendancy trilogy again. Um, you know, it's just there's nothing wrong with these books, but then they fall prey to the very same, very same thing that just about every Star Wars book outside of the High Republic books, which that's a completely separate animal that I will be doing a TIE Fighter Renegades about, you know, to say where we're at at this stage in the game with the High Republic um, every book outside of the high Republic, it's always the same thing there. It's only in the last chapter or so, maybe the last couple chapters or hell, it might even be the epilogue. It's only at the very end of the book. Not that you get resolution of the story within the book, but that you get anything, any, you know, a, a footnote or any like, like little bit of information that has any bearing on the star Wars universe as a whole. And I hate that. <laughs> like I hate that so much because that was the beauty of the heir to the empire trilogy that Zahn wrote in the nineties was 
it was like you had three massive books that built out so much history and so much facts. And, you know, it's like it just fleshed out the, the Star Wars universe so much. And none of the Star Wars books in the new canon really do that until you get to the last chapter. And even then, it's usually just something small. And I'm I am so sick of this. And I know or I think I know why Disney's doing it. Disney's doing it because they they in their infinite stupidity felt that okay we got to make everything canon so that everybody will buy anything otherwise they just won't care anymore because we wiped out you know the old EU on them but because everything's canon like things that matter can only be like little sentences at the end of the book we cannot flesh out the Star Wars universe not really or at least not in a way that has impact on the entire universe. Sure. They can make a million new characters. They can introduce a million new species and all this stuff. But as far as having impact on the grander concepts of star Wars and what makes star Wars, star Wars. Yeah, no, they're just, they're just constantly, they're just watering it down all the time. And, and they're barely adding anything. Uh, It's fucking annoying. So what gets added in here? Okay. So I'll tell you, what the basically what the crown is of this trilogy. So this all culminates in because if you haven't picked up on this, I'm basically saying unless you just really love the character of Thrawn, um, again, 99% of what happens in these books has no meaning for the Star Wars universe as a whole. None. It can sit completely on its own. Like it doesn't even, like I said, it really, it doesn't even need to be Star Wars other than two, like the couple mentions the, you know, you get the, uh, you get to kind of relive like his introduction to Anakin Skywalker, which could easily be stripped out of the book and doesn't mean anything. Um, and you know, you get some reference to like reports that they have that though, there's this galactic empire out there and all this stuff. Otherwise again, nothing, there's nothing fucking Star Wars in this whatsoever. You know, it is, it could be a completely separate universe. That's just the Chiss ascendancy. But anyway, to play in with the larger star Wars universe, all you get is at the very end of the third book. And these are big books at the very end. You find out why Thrawn was exiled. And I don't think it surprised anybody. And really it didn't surprise me. You essentially find out he was exiled. Uh, by like by his choice, like it was a plan for him to try and gather intelligence and allies um, to help the Chiss ascendancy, which is who he ultimately serves uh, in fighting off, you know, this new grand evil that exists in, in the unknown regions. And in particular, in this case, it would have been the Gris, but, but the idea is like Thrawn wants to get picked up by the empire. And he wants to like infiltrate that either to find out if the empire itself is a threat or again, to find allies, which, you know, when you read the previous Thrawn trilogy for Disney that Timothy Zahn wrote, he does grab allies, right? Like his second in command, he sends off to the ascendancy to help out, you know, and he's been like slowly funneling people to the just ascendancy to, to, you know, to help out there. But effectively you have like Thrawn is and and the ascendancy, like the, the 40 and the nine don't really know, like the, the government that makes up the ascendancy, which is separate from the military in ways, the ascendancy, they 
you know, like they want a scapegoat for this disaster, like the, the this crazy war between a couple different alien species that happens during this trilogy. Okay. And that Thrawn is navigating throughout the whole thing and creates the bulk of the, the action. Um, they want somebody to pay for that, you know, for, for, for the, you know, the bad look because the, the Chiss ascendancy has like a non-interventionist policy. Um, and so Thrawn ends up being, you know, the scapegoat. Uh, for this and he he he's the whipping boy he's the one that they that they blame and he gets exiled but you find out at the very end that well it was actually all part of the plan and you know i want to say that there's points in this where like thrawn is just too clever it's like okay yeah he's clever but like he never really loses and there there's a problem in that like at least in the heir to the empire trilogy from the nineties, like Thrawn was still somewhat fallible. He was that good, but he could still kind of flub here and there. And I think I felt like, and, and certainly I think he flubbed in even Zahn's previous, uh, uh, Disney Thrawn trilogy. Um, he's just way too good in this. It, it, and, and that, that comes off, you know, a little disingenuous, you know, or a little unbelievable. Um, and in one sense, the ending of this trilogy is essentially saying that, well, Thrawn is actually a good guy. Like he's trying to protect the Chiss and he actually likes other species. And he's like trying to protect so many people from these, you know, grander, darker powers. And, you know, it makes me wonder what they're going to do with Thrawn. Um, you know, when we get the Ahsoka series, uh, you know, how is Disney going to play him up? Is he really going to be the villain or is he going to be, um, you know, is he going to be redeemed as, as this good guy, because he is such a popular character. So there's a part of me that doesn't mind it, you know, but then there's the part of me that's like, you know, doesn't mind him essentially being a hero and a very moral character. But then there's the part of me that's like, no, well, can we just have, can we have a villain be a villain? It's like, it's like Disney is terrified of a well-developed character like Loki or something from Marvel, right? They're terrified that a well-developed, well-acted, well-presented character is a villain. Like they're terrified that people are going to, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, be seduced <laughs> by their villainous ways to be villains themselves, which I would argue they're not, right? Most of the time, villains in a lot of uh, uh, fiction in general are just egoists, you know? And, and, and I don't mean to get conspiratorial, I just, I feel like the entertainment industry and the news industry, they're, they're all the same. They're all entertainment. <laughs> None of it's real. Um, I, I feel like the entertainment industry is, you know, the larger, the more mainstream is just terrified of people like of accurately displaying villainy and people realizing that the very, the very people involved in the entertainment industry in real life, the people in Washington, the people in, you know, pick your, pick your, your, your den of iniquity <laughs> are just that, that they're villains. <laughs> you know, like, like I think they're, they're, they're terrified for, for the masses to find out that, well, everybody on top are, you know, they're, they're just egoists. They don't want, they don't want people to come to this conclusion. And so I get this sense, all of that said, again, can't prove all of it. But all of that said, I get the sense that Disney's like, oh, shit, Thrawn is so popular. We've got to turn him into a hero because we cannot have popular villains. We cannot have ships named Slave One. Whoops. 
Did I say that? I'm sorry. We cannot. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you know? At least George Lucas, like, left the morality. Like, you think of, like, the Mortis trilogy, right? George, at least George Lucas is just like, the morality is like, well, you know, it's shades of gray. You know, at least he was honest. <laughs> but Disney? Oh, fuck no. No, they can't have that. And actually, you know, I've been reading something recently where I think I can now finally, I can explain the Mortis trilogy. Everybody on YouTube has it wrong. And I know it for a fact because there's a name and it's not a Star Wars name. It's a real life person that existed in the 20th century. There is a name of a quote unquote philosopher and really was much more that complete his philosophy, as it were, uh, completely explains the Mortis trilogy. And I think George Lucas actually read this guy a lot and it, it makes a ton of sense. Actually, a lot of star Wars makes more sense once you see it through the lens of this guy, but that's an episode for, for another time. But I do feel better that now I can actually understand the Mortis trilogy. Granted what George Lucas meant by it, because now, you know how the story was supposed to conclude. We know that we don't know how star Wars was supposed to conclude because Disney threw out George Lucas's scripts for seven, eight, and nine. But anyway, the lesson of these books is that Thrawn isn't really a bad guy, uh, which, I mean, it really doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> like, it just doesn't. Because this guy's still, like, wiping out rebels right and left. You know, like, <laughs> you got to answer for that. Unless Disney wants to admit, which they won't, that's the whole problem. Unless Disney wants to admit that the Rebel Alliance is a bunch of terrorists, you know, and in the conventional sense of uh, of existence, you know, citizenry under a government, um, the Galactic Empire is not the bad guy. But you're not going to get Disney to admit that one. Anyway, um, so more thoughts on this book. So there you go. That That's the end of it. And that, that's essentially what you learn, you know, and that like this concern that there's things out in the unknown regions. I mean, it's not just the First Order. There's other shit out there and they'd probably make really great villains post episode nine or maybe they would i mean because you're barely getting introduced to them that being the gris in um you know in this thrawn trilogy but it'd be another situation where timothy zahn you know admittedly is like setting the stage for what's to come you know after a after a trilogy of films um yeah so uh, you know other thoughts here uh there's you know again in, in so much as these are so loosely connected to star wars proper uh, it's very, and Timothy Zahn said this before with the first book, and we talked about it on TIE Fighter Renegades, you know, he made the claim that even if you don't like, you know, what Disney has done with Star Wars and you're just, you're more into the original trilogy and you're into the, you know, original trilogy and the Thrawn trilogy, you can still enjoy these books. He is a hundred percent accurate on that because there's, you know, even the moments you get with Anakin Skywalker, there's nothing within this, everything's so vague. There's nothing within this that contradicts the original trilogy that contradicts the heir to the empire trilogy. Uh, actually nothing in it contradicts the prequel trilogy. Um, but then also because it's so removed from star Wars, it also doesn't contradict anything Disney has done previously. So it's funny how you could even be a fan that doesn't like the prequel trilogy. And these books still fit into canonicity, no matter what trilogy you, you actually like consider to be canon. Uh, you know, movie trilogy you consider to be canon. And just based on what Timothy Zahn said, even around the first book, I can't help but think that was intentional. Um, and, you know, for me, <laughs> uh, 
uh, I, 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 hold on before I, before I go on that, you know, tangent. Um, yeah. So the, the problem there is, is that because nothing's happening, like for me, that's actually a problem because there is no grander effect, at least not yet on the broader star Wars universe. You know, they're books that, okay, yeah, I got more Thrawn and that's great. And it really is. But at the same time, give me more, <laughs> you know, like, like I, I want, I want some connective tissue here and it, and it, and I want answers to things, but Disney has no interest whatsoever in providing any kind of answers. Everything has to have trap doors and workarounds and loopholes and all this other stuff so that they can essentially allow any writer, director, whatever that they can come in and make whatever bullshit they want. And somehow they'll squeeze it into, you know, star Wars, even if eventually they have to go with the nuclear option of the world between worlds. And that annoys the fuck out of me because clearly we are still largely dealing with a lack of vision (laughs) to quote the emperor. And we're paying the price for that lack of vision at Disney. They just want to make everything as vague as they fucking can so they can still sell it. And whatever flavor of the month they want to bring in as far as a creative director, writer, whatever, can still do whatever the fuck they want and not have to know the Star Wars story. But then, oh, we as Star Wars fans, well, we got to fucking know everything. You know, we, we, we just we got to know. And, and that that's so ass backwards. The direct like. We're not supposed to know everything. The people making the movies and the books, they're supposed to know everything. And they're supposed to take us on the primrose path so that when the you know big galactic event happens, we didn't see it coming, but we should have because it was planned the whole time. So, you know, it's the kingdom upside down, as the Christians say. In this case, the Disney kingdom. Um. Yeah, so there's not a whole lot of point to you reading this book. You can very well just go and get a, a, a Wikipedia entry on the new canon version of Thrawn. You'll find out why he really joined the Empire uh, and why he was really, you know, uh, uh, banished, you know, uh, from from the Chiss Ascendancy. Uh, and, you know, I can accept the answer. I'd like a better one. And I guarantee this was not this was not the answer that Timothy Zahn thought Timothy Zahn thought of you know, back in the nineties or anything like that. Like, no, no, there, there was something else going on in, in his mind back then, but you know, I'm sure he had his directives from Disney as well. Uh, so these books are very good. They're, they're great. Timothy's on writing, but at the same time for the larger star Wars universe, they mean jack shit. Now, the nice thing on the other hand, though, is largely you could, like I said earlier, you could fit these into any Star Wars canon that you want. Meaning, again, if you only like the original trilogy, they can fit in with that. If you only, because even what they tell you about Anakin Skywalker doesn't go into too much depth. If you, uh, you know, only like or like the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy, you they can easily fit into that. And if you like the sequel trilogy, they still fit in with that just fine. Um, it might point at what's coming next. And the reason I bring this up is I have, I mean, like my headcanon, and I hate that concept, but, you know, corporations that buy up these IPs, that buy up these franchises, um, are not living up to being good stewards of them. I mean, look, there's great shit going on in Star Wars. Make no mistake about it. You know, Book of Boba Fett, Mandalorian, obviously, um, Bad Batch, 
you know, all that, you know, expanded stuff with Clone Wars, all of that, all that shit's great. Like I'm, and I mean that, like it's good stuff. Okay. Um, but, and it's not nostalgia here, but it's subpar to, I think much of the scale and the consequences of what was happening before and not just what was happening before this Disney bought it out, but even before the prequel trilogy, um, I, I think Star Wars, if there was a third pillar of Star Wars, right, there's the cool factor, realism of presentation. If there was a third pillar, it would be the mystery. And while this might sound contradictory to what I was saying about having a problem with everything being so vague, it's not. Okay. The problem with, with the vagary, is that, is that a word? <laughs> the problem with Disney's vagary is there's no consequences. Okay, it's not because it generates mystery. It's because there's no consequences. Mystery is a wonderful thing in storytelling. And I think mystery was always Star Wars' third pillar. And I dare say, and I've been a defender of the prequel trilogy since 1999. Okay. But, you know, my headcanon, in my mind, like I think the, pre- the prequel trilogy shattered that third pillar of mystery. And not in a good way. Like it didn't give us the answers we were looking for. You know, I think people are completely accurate when they say, I mean, and and look, I love episode one. I really do. Okay. On its own. Um, But when people say that, okay, no, the, the prequel trilogy should have started with episode two and you know, (laughs) like that should have been episode one, maybe a different movie because a lot of people don't like that movie, but you get what I'm saying is that it should not have started with Anakin Skywalker. So young, we should have gotten to, you know, we should have experienced him frankly, much older, than he ever got to be. And I I can agree with that. But I guess what I'm ultimately getting to here is just decades later (laughs) in my head canon, frankly, fuck everything Disney's done. Fuck the prequel trilogy. Like, (laughs) they just, (laughs) I mean, none of this stuff has lived up to what the original trilogy did, which you know, we could get into arguments how much of that was even really George Lucas as compared to how much of it was Lawrence Kasdan or Gary Kurtz or whatever. Uh, and none of it's really lived up to what the Thrawn trilogy did or even, you know, and fuck, it's amazing. I mean, Disney basically copied this, you know, like what the Dark Empire trilogy did, you know, by Dark Horse, right? With Dark Empire 1, Dark Empire 2, and then Emperor's End. Um, yeah, that, that, that's, see, that's the thing. Like there was this magical little few years in the nineties, not unlike the time between, you know, 77 and 83 for the original trilogy where just the most awesome shit was happening in star Wars and everything felt very interconnected, even though you had different creators involved, it seemed like at least people were talking to each other in some way. And so for me, you know, my, my head canon, especially in the past year, has really just been, okay, the original trilogy of films, uh, the heir to the empire trilogy, you know, the dark empire trilogy, uh, like, yeah, crimson empire. I love both of those. Um, the tales of the Jedi series, which that's a great way to do star Wars without having to like really, you know, hurt, uh, or, or, you know, get involved with the characters of Luke Skywalker and Han Solo and whatever. Uh, but the tales of the Jedi series, you know, the Jedi Knight games with Kyle Katarn. Awesome. Um, the story, you know, the story in Dark Emp- or in Dark Forces of how they got the the Death Star plans is killer. Great story. 
You know, uh, the X-Wing and TIE Fighter games, I put those in that number. Shadows of the Empire, right? The Ewok movies, those used to be considered canon, more or less. Um, hell, even the Droid and Ewoks cartoons. Uh, Splinter of the Mind's Eye, I like that. I mean, fuck, it's Alan Dean Foster, man. <laughs> I like that book fine. Uh, and, you know, like, yeah, the Knights of the Old Republic games. But, like, like that that's essentially my headcanon. I mean, yeah, I know there's lots of other stuff, right? Like the Jedi Academy trilogy, the, the Black Fleet Crisis. You know, I, I know. I've read them all, right? Or even New Jedi Order and all that stuff. All that stuff, yeah, whatever. I mean, the X-Wing books were good, but all that's nah. You know? <laughs> Like, like novel wise, novels wise, I feel like, you know, it stopped with the heir to the empire trilogy and they could have just stopped right there. And the comic books, you know, did some really cool shit. Like I said, with Crimson Empire, uh, Tales of the Jedi and Dark Empire. But like, you know, again, if Star Wars stopped at the end of the last command, great. (laughs) Well, I guess Crimson Empire goes a little beyond that, but if it stopped there, great. (laughs) We got a nice package here, guys, you know, and you don't even need the prequel trilogy. You don't need it at all. Um, and and that's that's it for me. And, and, you, and you know, it's amazing because I can go back everything I just listed off. I can go back and play or read over and over and over and over again. And it's dynamite. Like It's all just awesome stuff that you can you can read or play as much as you could watch the original trilogy of films. And I think that's, for me, that's, that's kind of the metric of, you know, of, of great canon. Is it something that you just want to keep reapproaching? It's not just like this tidbit of information that I got from reading this 500 page book and, oh, okay, that's nice. You know, and I walk away. Like it's something that I just want to keep going back to. Um, you know, I mean, in that head canon that I just listed, you could easily put in the Thrawn Ascendancy trilogy. Not so much the Thrawn trilogy, like that, that, that Timothy Zahn did previously, but the Thrawn ascendancy specific trilogy can easily fit into everything I just talked about and doesn't cause a problem anywhere. If anything, it it becomes even more meaningful because then just the slight mentions of Anakin Skywalker, you're just like, Ooh, what's that about? (laughs) You know, we don't know anything about this Anakin Skywalker. That's cool. And there's just so much more meaning there. And then you can add a lot of context to the heir to the empire trilogy, you know, where, uh, you know, Luke Skywalker and like the, you know, everybody's so worried about Thrawn and Luke not realizing that he had interaction with his father, you know, like, yeah, it could add a whole new layers of context to that. Um, so I'm open to that being a part of it. And there's a part of me that both hates and loves, you know, there's a part that hates and the part that loves that Timothy Zahn wrote these books in that way. But the reason that they don't excite me too much they excite me because they're, it's more Thrawn. I'll take that. But they don't excite me too much because, I mean, really, I can't tell you how many times I've reread Shadows of the Empire. I can't tell you, and Shadows of the Empire Evolution, even the, the sequel comic to that, which I would include in my head canon, like, or, or the Tales of the Jedi comic books, you know, Ula Keldroma, Nomi Sunrider, Exar Kun, Mandalore, real Mandalore, like, Fuck, man. <laughs> I've read that shit over and over again, even in recent years. Can never get enough. Or Dark Empire, man, that is just haunting stuff. You know, Crimson Empire, that understood Star Wars cool better than any, just about any other comic, I think, actually. And this doesn't appeal in that way. You know, the, the Thrawn Ascendancy trilogy doesn't appeal in that way. It's not bad. It's done by the master. 
It's done by Timothy Zahn, you know, and it can fit anywhere, but it loses something in that, in that there's nothing really concrete or like deeply meaningful in it. And also, again, I, I do think that why Thrawn, you know, was banished from, you know, excommunicated essentially from the Chiss ascendancy. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't that that part actually like really hurts. I, you know, while you could add context to Heir to the Empire, I think that ultimately hurts um, the Heir to the Empire trilogy. So forget it. Anyway, that's it for my review. I know I spent a lot of time talking about things kind of extraneous and outside of that, but it's been a little while since we've done a TIE Fighter Renegades and a lot of shit has happened within Star Wars. And I've certainly had a lot of thoughts about it. And I'm sure Rob is going to have a lot to say uh, when he gets back on. So I will wrap up this episode of TIE Fighter Renegades here. It is good to be back. Check out this books if you, I mean, if you really love Thrawn that much, but otherwise go to Wikipedia. It's kind of a pass. Anyway, that's it. I'll see you on the other side.